Thank you for being a listener of the We Are LA Tech podcast. To support and collaborate with the community, become an MVL Most Valuable Listener. You'll have ad-free episodes and join us on our monthly Zoom calls with other podcast listeners and get to know the community at wearelatech.love. Linked in the show notes. I'm Alex Bloomberg, host of the podcast Startup, and you're listening to We Are LA Tech. Welcome back to the We Are LA Tech podcast. I am interviewing remotely from Iceland. So excited to do the next LA Tech Spotlight with you with someone who I think is one of the coolest people in Los Angeles, Eden, with Fisherman Labs. Hey, Eden. Hello. Am I saying your name right? Yeah, you are. Eden, right? Because yeah, it could be Eden, too. Yeah, like I have a lot of uh, Israeli friends that call me Eden. And actually, yeah. some, a lot of people think I'm Israeli when they first meet me. Oh, yeah? Yeah. It's, it's like, a compliment. It, well, Israelis the last are strong like, and smart. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I, I see it as a compliment. <laughs> <laughs> and tell me, go ahead, introduce yourself and tell us about Fisherman Labs. Yeah, so I'm Eden. I run a innovation lab slash emerging tech studio called Fisherman Labs. We build virtual reality experiences, augmented reality experiences, artificial intelligence, and um, data science. And then we build like mobile apps, websites, kind of your typical digital product strategy. And then we we work with like kind of like a 50-50 mix. So from companies on the startup side, um, like Curbstand, Discotech, um, Yoshirt, and then to kind of like Fortune 500 companies from Regal to the NFL, HTC, Sony, uh, Qualcomm, and recently um, uh, working on relaunching the United Nations Development Program site, um, which is which is really fun. So we're oh, no big like, deal. <laughs> oh yeah, no, it's it's uh, yeah, no big deal. <laughs> and uh, yeah, so we essentially are a product development company. Companies come to us with their objectives or their ideas, and then we try to turn that into a product. And what inspired you to create Fisherman Labs? So we were originally, uh, so I met Charles about four years ago. We were actually working on an app that was sort of like a Yelp for events. So trying to like organize events into kind of searchable um, things to do. So like if you're in Los Angeles, what is there to do tonight? That was kind of the original um, product that we were working on. And we had actually reached out to a bunch of different agencies, um, met a lot of different agencies and found that agencies in Los Angeles that we met either had sort of like an ad agency bent or sales bent or design bent. But most of the agencies that we talked to did not want to manage engineering teams and also didn't have expertise managing engineering teams. So Charles, who has 20 years of software development experience, and then I come from an algorithmic side um, of engineering, uh, we met and kind of recognized that trend. And we I had also done fundraising at my previous company and didn't want to get back into that. So our thing was... Uh, there's a hole in sort of like these engineering driven or product driven um, agency and um, we don't want to raise money. And it's also very, very interesting for us to kind of work across startups and brands and take the learnings from startups and apply them to brands and then take the learnings from brands and apply them to startups and work across a lot of different industries. And um, both of us just like love learning. So it's like it's just a great way to kind of learn and get sucked into all sorts of different industries and products. So what is your role within Fisherman Labs? So it's it's kind of 
moved a lot from when we first got started, when um, I was kind of wearing a lot of different hats. So originally, um, when we first got started, I was managing the engineering team uh, on the back end side. And then as we kind of grew, I kind of focused more on design and managing that team. And then uh, and then now, now I kind of focus more on strategic um, uh, development with uh, brands. Um, so most of my time is spent uh, with larger brands and getting to know the brands, um, working with them, trying to figure out um, how to, uh, what, which products to create and what a like kind of product pipeline looks like for those brands. So most of my time is spent on kind of the sourcing side, business development side and working with brands. And when was it founded? We got founded. So we, we informally started in July of 2013. And then we actually were like, and so we were kind of doing a part-time for about six months. And then we mm-hmm. officially launched in kind of January of 2014, where we're like, new year, let's just actually, we've already been doing consulting and we've already been helping startups and brands. Let's just like turn this into an actual company. And how many companies do you support right now are in your portfolio? Right now, we probably have probably around 10 clients around, give or take. I don't know the exact number. But it, it's flexed anywhere from, you know, five clients all the way to like 20 clients at one time. So it, it, it just depends because over the last year, we've spent a lot more time working with brands. We, we historically were 100% startups uh, mm-hmm. and we slowly kind of shifted to like a 50-50 bent and we like, we like that mix. Um, but with brands, we have, uh, we, we just work with less people with brands because um, they're they have larger budgets. And so, you know, we might be working with three startups at a given time and, you know, three brands and that's it. Or you know, Wait, maybe. so I must be missing something because are you like quasi an outsource team slash accelerator? Like, I feel like I missed something in, in, in yeah. like how Fisherman Lab serves people. Yeah, so I mean, like we, we're like a product development company. So a a brand or a startup will come to us with we have this great idea or we want to reach this audience, and we're the outsourced people that will build that for them. Mm-hmm. You're a dev shop. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I mean, I, I think we're you know a development shop. We we focus a lot on strategy as well. So like dev shops would to me just be the engineering aspect of stuff. So right. um, we, we kind of position ourselves more of like um, as sort of like an innovation company for, um, for brands. So like our kind of like prototypical company that we really look to is a company called IDEO. Um, and they do. Yeah, of course. Yeah. yeah. And um, what they do is more on the physical product side. And what we do is more on the digital side. So we try to come up with, great ideas um, that solve problems for companies. So they might have a certain problem. They come to us with that problem. We say, let us brainstorm together and come up with a solution from a product standpoint that will help, um, you know, solve that solution. So let's say an insurance, healthcare insurance company might come to us and say, we have 0.000, you know, 5% engagement across 50 million people. And we'll say, okay, let's think through the design problems that, um, you know, that create the low engagement with your audience. And then let's try to figure out, come up with a, not just a product that will serve um, your audience, but also let's come up with a whole roadmap that will engage your audience more so that they're actually getting 
um, to know what their benefits are, or so they actually engage with um, their healthcare and they know um, here are my benefits and here's the different doctors that I can get access to. So a lot of the solutions that we come up with are um, trying to use technology and design to solve problems. So instead of just like, I, I would view a development shop or outsource development shop, like they've already figured out what the solution is. And now you're just contacting a company to actually execute on that solution. Got it. Yeah. yeah. So I don't know if that and, and since you brought up IDEO, why don't you go ahead, and, go ahead and tell us a little bit about IDEO? Yeah. So IDEO is this um, company that they work across so many different industries, um, like a healthcare industry or, um, you know, it could be finance, it could be anything, but they call themselves sort of like a global design company and they make kind of impact through design. So they might get a problem. They, they'll work on problems as unique as they, there are millions of people dying in another country because babies do not get to the optimal temperature when they get first born. And therefore, there are a lot of babies that are freezing to death. Um, and then they'll they'll think through that problem. Okay, so babies are freezing to death. Um, what is the a design solution that'll solve that? So um, they might come up with you know different warmers that uh, you know babies can be put into right after they're they're born. But the problem with a developing country is that their babies may be born in the home, and so they're dying before they even get to a hospital. Um, so they think through, they have to think through the full problem based off of their, um, you know, based off of their audience. So they may come up with a, you know, blanket that's cheap enough that they can actually send to different neighborhoods so that that blanket could be used. And then there's an issue of like, even after we design the right product, how do we ensure that the people are actually using that product? Um, because it's not like just because you have a blanket, you're going to use it. So, um, uh, then they have to go through that problem. So it's a lot of it's using design to solve problems, and they might do that with um, a surgery, like a surgeon that says, um, "I have an issue using this tool," and they'll try to design that tool in such a way that um, the surgeon can, you know, um, you know, have more success in, the, in their surgeries, um, or they might uh, have a uh, have a problem around food or i mean they'll do pretty much anything we're pretty much more focused on the digital side but they're kind of an inspiration to us based off of like let's use design to solve problems that's awesome and you said that you are part owner of control collective which is one of the most innovative cool awesome co-working spaces in la i love them and it's gorgeous facilities and uh we've even done uh we are LA tech events there tell me a little bit about control collective so everybody else can understand too yeah so control collective is a you know it's co-working space and it first was founded in playa it's founded by david and talia um who are just awesome and um i first connected with david and we were we were looking at getting office space and they were looking for investors at the time for kind of their first big round. And we just really, really got along from a kind of vision standpoint to a just like life cycle and business and um, all sorts of things. And uh, just the culture that we were trying to create was, was, was really, really aligned. So um, we focus a lot on community. Um, we have huge, uh, a huge open space at control collective. We're actually like almost like a 50, 50% open space. We're um, really focused on the open space. The private office is great as well, but um, you know, we're, we're very event centric. We're very community centric. Um, our members get access to events and um, they're like constantly engaged. Um, and we're trying to create like an actually authentic community that doesn't feel 
um, like, uh, you know, someone's try- always trying to get something from me. So we interview each person that comes in. We make sure they're a good fit. We make sure that there's a diverse community. So it's not all just people in tech or for Playa or all just in one industry where there's lots of different people that can help each other. And we love working here. And it's, it's so it's, it's a really collaborative space. We've actually had clients that we've worked with in control that work here and we've had an amazing relationship with them. Um, so it's, it's been a total win-win for us. And what's the web address for control collective? It's CTRL collective, C O L L E C T I V E.com. And are you yourself originally from LA? No, I grew up in Maryland, right outside of DC, then I went to actually went to college in Georgia at a small school called Emory. And then I was in um, New York for three years before uh, I moved out here in 2011. So I've been here for um, just over five years. And what inspired you to come to LA? Well, I, there's a lot of different things. So I'm like probably like the biggest LA advocate slash fan just because I lived in New York <laughs> and I'm always in San Francisco because of technology. But uh you know, well, I think there's the obvious kind of argument around like weather. Uh, and it's funny because when I was living in New York, I remember talking to someone in LA and they were like, oh, weather is so amazing in LA. And I was like, well, who cares about weather? Like New York has everything. Like weather doesn't matter. Like it's just one thing. But weather really changes like so many different things because it actually, <laughs> um, it, it forces people to actually go outside and to relax a lot more versus like New York, which is a totally different culture. Um, my brother was actually in Los Angeles. So that's originally what um, got me to start thinking about it. My business partner at the time was also doing his PhD at UCLA. So from a personal standpoint, it made like a lot of sense. And my girlfriend at the time, who's now my wife, she did not like New York and the kind of like the, just how little space there was. And just, she didn't, she doesn't like rude people. (laughs) So she just felt like people in New York were very rude. And, uh, and she also loves cities. So she's just like, we, we wanted to live in a big city. Um, LA is very much like a city of neighborhoods. Um, so there's, there's such unique cultures in every single neighborhood. So you have, um, so my wife and I actually live down in South central. Um, we live in, pretty much an all African-American community. Um, and we've been there for like two and a half years. But South Central is completely different than Beverly Hills, which is completely different than Westwood, which is like right. a college town, which is different than Santa Monica and Venice. And so every neighborhood has its unique like foods. It's its unique culture and people, which is good and bad. But we mostly think it's good. <laughs> and we mostly like that there's those cultures that are maintained. We can experience all these different things across the entire city so we're just like huge fans of la the tech scene is growing and we we like to be part of something that is growing and where we can impact the culture and um you know like a san francisco it's just so ingrained and it's been there forever and there's an excitement to things that are new and so la really has that energy and that excitement and um, you know, I could, I could go on and on about LA, but no, don't, yeah. I mean, can I, for those of, for everybody listening, they're probably, you know, they, they've heard the term South Central in the movies and everything. So can you kind of silence our stereotypes? There's no drive by shootings by your house, right? No. So, I mean, we originally moved down to South Central because, um, so we, we, we've always had a huge passion for kind of low income. And uh, we actually grew up doing a lot of volunteer work in Oakham. My wife works on Skid Row um, doing healthcare for um, uninsured and homeless. And we felt like one way that we could really um, 
understand some of the barriers that um, people in low-income situations go through is actually just move there and be a neighbor and and and, and just kind of like be a part of the community. And so for us, uh, that's why we moved there. And, you know, it totally didn't kind of match our expectations of what South Central is, which again, you know, you have the sort of like perceptions that there's drive-by shootings. Um, you know, it is... There is there's certainly like danger um, in South Central every once in a while, but that's like from a very systemic standpoint. I mean, if you look at like um, the crime rate in um, throughout Los Angeles, the crime rate in like Santa Monica is actually really really high because there's like robberies all the time. But people never talk about that just because it's Santa Monica. It's nice, but totally. um, you know when something happens in South Central, people are like, oh yeah, of course something's gonna happen in South Central. Whereas like if you go and I actually meet the people. Like people are like our neighbors, for example, they've been there for like 20 years, like most of them on our block and they all know each other by a first name basis. We have these amazing stories where like small things that'll happen that will never happen in kind of other neighborhoods. Like, um, our, we, you know, we drove on, we, we parked on a kind of a street sweeping side, which, you know, happens all the time living in LA and, uh, our neighbor came and knocked on our door and told us like, oh, like uh, you have to move your car. It was like 6 a.m. But we so we, we didn't wake up. And so she went and got a piece of paper and wrote on it like um, went out to the to get gas and put it on our license plate <laughs> just to like defend us from getting a ticket. She was like going so far just to like help us. Um, oh, my God. To, that is so sweet. You don't yeah. hear about that ever in L.A. Yeah. There's just like and there's so many other stories like that. Like we. Well, there was one day where it was super windy, like maybe like a year ago. I can't remember when it went, but it was like really, really windy in LA. And our roof was like kind of like lifting off on the wind. And I had a neighbor literally come and bring a ladder and climb up the ladder and like paste the roof down with like this sticky black stuff. Um, and uh, In the wind. Yeah, in the wind, on the ladder. And, uh, you know, came by, knocked on it, knocked on my door and was like, Hey, like I saw your roof was coming apart and you know, the like, ladder you didn't was even there. go to them. He came to you. No. Yeah. He just saw the, he just saw the roof was like coming apart and he came and told us that. So there was just like really, really cool stories like that where, um, I mean, it's not that like people are bad people in other neighborhoods or anything like that. It's just that, um, in other neighborhoods like a Santa Monica, you're, there's a lot of transience, meaning like right. people are like, like any city, like, you know, people are right. coming in and out. But in a neighborhood like South Central, people have been there for a long time. So there's not this sense of like, oh, I'm like, when you know you're going to leave in a year, it's really hard to create community because it's like, well, I'm going to be gone in a year and my neighbor's probably going to be gone in a year too. So it's hard to like, if I get to know them, then, you know, they might be gone and then it's right. like kind of heartbreaking. But if you know someone's going to be around for 10 years, then you're like, well, I should probably you know, protect this person and make friends with this person and look out for this person. So that's been like super refreshing for us. And I spend most of my time on the West side where it is more of your traditional LA from work standpoint. And then I go home down to South central where it's a completely different culture. And I like that. I think it's, it's really refreshing for me to on both sides. I mean, there's pros and cons to both. And, um, and so it's different and I love it. And that's part of the reason why I love LA. It's just so diverse. I think I think this conversation has been refreshing. Like I I love challenging the stereotypes and showing like this is what this podcast is about. It's like this is what 
LA is like. And when someone's listening and saying, Hey, you know, where should I move? And they've seen some movies. So they have this right. kind of impression in their head. And now they're listening to hear your stories. And now they may consider like, Oh, maybe South Central is an area that I'll consider moving to. And I, I just think that's really great. Like, because a, a lot of stuff, the media builds up and creates hype because of ratings and advertising, but it's not, it's not true. And so I love that this is a really positive based conversation on, on the actualities of community. And it's really, really awesome. Yeah. What, speaking of community, what resources aside from Control Collective in LA do you recommend for people to get connected into the LA tech scene? Yeah, I mean, there's like so many different sort of like, um, I mean, it kind of depends on what you're interested in. I mean, there's meetups that um, on the developer side, uh, if you're like a developer, there's tons and tons of developer meetups all the time. If you're just interested in sort of like overall business, we we actually do a, um, a we have a partnership with this um, company called KNW. And we do an event every single week that's on a different topic. Um, and then there's also... Um, uh, Kevin, who runs Digital LA, he's he's constantly doing events on different things. I, I think like just getting plugged into events is an awesome way to just meet people. When I first moved to LA, I didn't know anybody, and I was coming from finance too because I, you know, I was in a hedge fund and then worked in investment banking and then started a hedge fund and then I moved into the tech scene in Los Angeles. So I was in a new city, new industry. I didn't know anybody, and so I just started going to events and meeting people and. Um, our, I was super, super lucky in the sense that I had a office space uh, from my hedge fund. That So I shut down my fund and I was just letting startups work out of my office space at the time just because we had a six-month lease left. And you know there were a lot of startups coming out of incubators and I was just like, oh, you can just work here. We have six months left and just tried to use that as a way to build community and meet people because I didn't know anybody. Right. Um, so I think just like being friendly and trying to help people in general and not really asking for things in return – um, I think working at a co-working space is helpful, like not just Control Collective, uh, but any any co-working space. I think if you're if you're trying to get plugged into the community, even if you get one of those like like weekend night and weekend uh, passes, and you're just there hanging out on the weekend or at night after work, if you're you know working like a normal job, it's a great way to like get plugged into the events at that co-working space because like every co-working space has events, um, and they're all going to be very diverse in terms of the different types of events that they're holding. So Definitely. I think that's just a great way to like, because it's kind of hard sometimes to like know what's coming up and when. <laughs> so And you get, well, yeah. it's not because if you have the We Are LA Tech mobile app, oh, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> um, as you guys know, there's the We Are LA Tech mobile app. We have it on iPhone and in beta on Android. Um, you could totally get both um, for the iPhone version. It's wearelatech.com slash app. That's wearelatech.com slash app. And we put together all of the community organizers um, events in there. Um, do you not have it? I actually have it on my phone, but I have not used it. <laughs> Dude, it will save you hours of time. All like right, hours. Yeah, I'm on and after. I'm this. telling, but you probably don't want to go to as many events anymore. But no, yeah, nowadays yeah. I'm like uh, constantly yeah. in, Head down. in meetings. Yeah, but when I first got started, it was like I had no idea like who yeah. to talk to. So it's so yeah, and I I think that's when when it's best too. So yeah, you guys definitely check that out. And um, companies, what LA tech companies or talent have you come across lately that have really impressed you? So I just met with um, Jeff Zwelling, who's the the COO over at ZipRecruiter. Um, yesterday for lunch and we had just an awesome conversation and I didn't know that much about his company. Um, yeah. 
so he and Ian started this company as a recruiter, and they are basically focused sort of like on jobs that generally people weren't looking at before. So like the recruiting space is generally focused on either executive recruiting, which is sort of like this high end recruiting, or it's focused on like tech recruiting or finance recruiting, like these high, high end industries that, you know, pay a ton of money. But these guys are um, generally focused on kind of like the, the, the kind of typical job. So like, uh, like a healthcare professional, like a medical assistant or, um, you know, like an Uber driver or a driver for Amazon or, um, something in manufacturing or, um, all these different jobs. And so they're, they're like, I, I'm so passionate about their business after hearing about it because they're making like huge impact on people's lives that actually have a really hard time getting a job sometimes. And they are also, you know, doing really well in business doing it. So I think they're, you know, it's not disclosed on how much money they're making. I don't even know. I can't really say the number just in case, but they're they're making a ton of money. Um, They are, they're on this, you know, I think they have 30,000 subscribers um, on, uh, you know, a subscription based platform. So they're, they're doing really well. um, And they're, it's a cool business because it's actually serving like a need versus just like, you know, executive recruiting, like those executives will get jobs. It's just like, who's going to place them and make money off of that job. Definitely. Where um, their thing is like, they're focused on like two sides of the equation. One is like how to get people to apply to more jobs because that creates um, more flow and then how to get the people that are offering jobs to pay more and to hire more. So if they can solve those two problems, it's good for their business and it's good for people too because they get um, the jobs that they're applying to. So I, I didn't know much about that business, but it's fascinating. They, they, they didn't do a raise. They did a raise. The last time they did a raise was three years ago. Um, they haven't done a raise since because they've been profitable enough and they've just been doing like, um, uh, you know, well enough that they haven't needed to do a raise, but they're, they're this huge company that kind of, I feel like kind of runs under the radar sometimes. Um, and then you obviously have like Snapchat and what they're doing. I, obviously they're, they're amazing. And, um, we're all praying and hoping for their IPO coming up, um, because <laughs> uh, that'll have like a huge impact on on the LA totally. tech scene, which is, which is awesome. Completely. But, uh, yeah. There's yeah. all these like unsung. All you need is there. like one big one and then they all leave and just create more companies and it helps the tech totally. system should thrive. Like that's how, that's kind of Skype's role on Estonia. Like Skype may put Estonia on the map for tech yeah. because then everybody leaves Skype and then they can build companies. And I actually interviewed Ian from ZipRecruiter under oh, Stubbs Accelerator. Um, so you could totally find that interview in the show notes and uh, we'll have it. It's a video interview that I did. And so you could check that out. And then if you had one ask of the community, what would that ask be? I'd say like um, a big thing for technology in LA is um, we're, we're all, I think, SRA, me, um, lots of people are, are really wanting to see, you know, more community in the tech space and, um just more collaboration. I think like if you're interested in tech and you're in Los Angeles, a uh, big thing would be to just get out there and meet people. And uh, for us, like I'd love to meet you. We're, we're in control, which is this huge space. I'd love to just have people come by and say hello. Um, and we're all about trying to meet new people and uh, connecting other people to people. Uh, my role nowadays is more just connecting people just because um, my engineering team does a lot better without me involved at this point. Um, and so does my design team. So most of my, you know, day is composed of just connecting with different people and connecting other people with other people. And I love doing that. And so and how that, can people connect with you? 
uh connect with me i'm on twitter a bunch uh my handle is just eden chen my first and then my last name and then um you can just email me too i'm at eden at fishermanlabs.com and always like uh always down to just meet up and and connect over here um and awesome. uh yeah thank you eden so much for hanging out with the we are la tech podcast you're rad I haven't seen you in a while now. I haven't I seen you since the, since what's it called that or a YEC event, right? right? Yep, it's been like, it's in Hollywood. Yeah, we have to. LA, do you guys miss me? I've been like abroad. <laughs> do you know today is day fifty four, fifty five of me meeting with women in tech around the world? It's amazing. It's when crazy. are you? When are you coming back here? The, well, the Women in Tech podcast hit number one in the world. Let's go! That's amazing. <laughs> so, yeah. But I promise you, LA, I will be back. But in the meantime, we have phenomenal guest hosts hosting away. And uh, and Eden, thank you for making time to connect with me when we are at such crazy different time zones. Yeah. If you guys want to become integrated into the LA Tech community right away, go to wearelatech.com slash VIP. That's wearelatech.com slash VIP. There are as a whole sea of people waiting to connect with you. If you want to do super cool activities together and get away from the large networking events, check out the We Are LA Tech Experience Club at wearelatech.com slash club. That's wearelatech.com slash club. That's where we do like the horseback riding and the skydiving and the clay pigeon shooting and the afternoon teas and the game nights. It's awesome. I will talk to you guys, see you guys, hear you guys in the next episode. Bye. Huge shout out and thank you to Betalist. Betalist is amazing. I've used Betalist for my past startups. Betalist gains you early traction to your startup while it's still in beta. Go to betalist.com slash we are LA tech. That's betalist.com slash we are LA tech. Thank you for powering the We Are LA Tech podcast. To get text alerts when new episodes come out, text 310-872-2423. That's 310-872-2423. We Are LA Tech, hosted by Esprit Devora, has been a wearetech.fm production. Thank you for being a listener of the We Are LA Tech podcast. To support and collaborate with the community, become an MVL Most Valuable Listener at wearelatech.love. Linked in the show notes.